Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about pelvic inflammatory disease. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash PID or in the genitourinary medicine section of the Zero to Finals Obstetrics and Gynecology book. So let's get straight into it. Pelvic inflammatory disease or PID is inflammation and infection of the organs of the pelvis caused by infection spreading up through the cervix. It's a significant cause of tubal infertility and chronic pelvic pain. It's worth remembering the technical terms for the affected organs. Endometritis is inflammation of the endometrium. Salpingitis is inflammation of the fallopian tubes. Oophoritis is inflammation of the ovaries. Parametritis is inflammation of the parametrium, which is the connective tissue around the uterus. And peritonitis is inflammation of the peritoneal membrane. Let's talk about the causes. Most cases of pelvic inflammatory disease are caused by one of the sexually transmitted pelvic infections. Neisseria gonorrhea which tends to produce a more severe pelvic inflammatory disease, chlamydia trachomatis, and mycoplasma genitalium. Pelvic inflammatory disease can less commonly be caused by non-sexually transmitted infections, such as Gardnerella vaginalis associated with bacterial vaginosis, Haemophilus influenzae, a bacteria often associated with respiratory infections, or Escherichia coli or E. coli, which is an enteric bacteria from the intestines commonly associated with urinary tract infections. Let's talk about the risk factors. The risk factors for pelvic inflammatory disease are the same as for any other sexually transmitted infection. For example, not using barrier contraception having multiple sexual partners, being a younger age, having existing sexually transmitted infections, having previous pelvic inflammatory disease, and being fitted with an intrauterine device, for example a copper coil. Next let's talk about the presentation. Women with pelvic inflammatory disease may present with symptoms of pelvic or lower abdominal pain, abnormal vaginal discharge, abnormal bleeding, for example intermenstrual or postcoital bleeding, pain during sex, which is referred to as dyspareunia, fever or dysuria or painful urination. Examination findings may reveal pelvic tenderness, cervical motion tenderness, which is referred to as cervical excitation, and this is where moving the cervix causes pain, an inflamed cervix or cervicitis, and purulent discharge. Patients may have a fever and other signs of sepsis. Next let's talk about investigations. Patients with pelvic inflammatory disease should be tested for causative organisms and other sexually transmitted infections, and this will involve NAT swabs for gonorrhea and chlamydia, NAT swabs for mycoplasma genitalium if they're available, a HIV test 
and a syphilis test. A high vaginal swab can be used to look for bacterial vaginosis, candidiasis and trichomoniasis. A microscope can be used to look for pus cells on swabs of the vagina or the endocervix. The absence of pus cells is useful for excluding pelvic inflammatory disease. Don't forget a pregnancy test should be performed on sexually active women presenting with lower abdominal or pelvic pain in order to exclude an ectopic pregnancy. Inflammatory markers, for example CRP and ESR, are raised in pelvic inflammatory disease and can help support the diagnosis. Next let's talk about management. Where appropriate, patients should be referred to a genito-urinary medicine or GUM specialist service for management and contact tracing. Antibiotics are started empirically before the swab results are obtained in order to avoid a delay and complications. Antibiotics will depend on local and national guidelines. The BASH guidelines, which were published in 2018 and updated in 2019, suggest various inpatient and outpatient regimes to cover possible causative organisms. One suggested outpatient regime listed here to help your understanding and not as a guide to treatment is a single dose of intramuscular keftriaxone, 1 gram, in order to cover gonorrhea, plus doxycycline 100 milligrams twice a day for 14 days to cover chlamydia and mycoplasma genitalium, plus metronidazole 400 milligrams twice a day for 14 days to cover anaerobes such as Gardnerella vaginalis. So that's a combination of keftriaxone, doxycycline and metronidazole. Keftriaxone and doxycycline will also cover many other bacteria, including Haemophilus influenzae and E. coli. In severe cases, particularly when there are signs of sepsis or the patient is pregnant, admission to hospital is required for IV antibiotics. Where a pelvic abscess forms, this may need draining by interventional radiology or surgery. Let's go through the complications. These include sepsis, an abscess, infertility, chronic pelvic pain, ectopic pregnancy, and a condition called Fitzhugh-Curtis syndrome. So let's talk in more detail about Fitzhugh-Curtis syndrome. This is a complication of pelvic inflammatory disease. It's caused by inflammation and infection of the liver capsule, which is called Glisson's capsule, leading to adhesions between the liver and the peritoneum. The bacteria may have spread to the liver from the pelvis via the peritoneal cavity, lymphatic system or through the blood. Fitzhugh-Curtis syndrome results in right upper quadrant pain that can be referred to the right shoulder tip if there's diaphragmatic irritation or irritation of the diaphragm. A laparoscopy procedure or keyhole surgery can be used to visualise and also treat the adhesions and the adhesions are treated by adhesiolysis. So thanks for listening to this episode on pelvic inflammatory disease. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast, and I hope you join us for the next episode 
where we'll talk about trichomoniasis 